0: Criticism surrounds the lack of notification that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was hospitalized. What are lawmakers saying, and what do we know about the communication? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning we bring you the defense and national security news of the day.
1: They, they just don't know what to make of this. It's so unusual for a cabinet secretary, especially one as high profile as Secretary of Defense, to just to go AWOL for several days here and to not know what happened.
0: And Indo-Pacific Logistics present questions about basing and drones in the vast and strategic region. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. First up, there is growing criticism surrounding Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's lack of disclosure over his hospitalization on January 1st. Austin had a procedure on December 22nd, and complications led him to be admitted to Walter Reed Memorial Hospital on New Year's Day. But the Pentagon did not disclose his hospitalization to the public until that Friday. The Pentagon has refused to offer details about the initial procedure or what led to Austin being admitted to the hospital on January 1st. Austin was still in the hospital yesterday evening and has resumed his duties. A Pentagon spokesman told reporters yesterday that an Austin staffer did not notify Austin's chief of staff of the hospital trip until roughly a day after he was admitted. The chief of staff was out with the flu when she learned of the news, and then she waited until she returned to work on Thursday, January 5th, to notify those outside Austin's immediate team, which includes the White House. Austin released a statement over the weekend taking blame for the lack of communication. Lawmakers expressed their concern at Austin and his staff for not notifying the president for days that his chief military advisor was in the hospital. Military Times Capitol Hill Bureau Chief Leo Shane III talked with us about lawmakers' reactions.
1: Yeah, look, nobody seems to think that this was handled the right way. Um, we've heard from uh, Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman Jack Reed. He said that, that Secretary Austin has has learned the lesson from this episode, but he's defending him, saying that he's done good work. This is just a, a mistake and he should keep his job. You know, there's quite a few Republicans that are already saying he should resign. We heard from the House Armed Services, both the, the top Democrat and the top Republican over there, saying they're very concerned with with how this was handled. They want assurances that that similar situations won't happen in the future. A couple uh, committee members on that committee have already called for a hearing, at least, if not more, uh, on this. Uh, and individual members of Congress are saying they, they just don't know what to make of this. It's so unusual for a cabinet secretary, especially one as high-profile as Secretary of Defense, to just to go AWOL for several days here and to not know what happened. We still don't know exactly what the procedure was, just how serious these health risks were. The White House has come out and said that their main priority right now is just making sure Secretary Austin is healthy, and they will do a after-action review, look over everything, and see what could have been done better, see what could be more transparent. But that's likely not going to be enough to satisfy all the critics on Capitol Hill who say this is serious and needs much more investigation.
0: Another important story, an Air Force logistics officer, Brigadier General Mike Zulsdorf, talked with us about developments in the Indo-Pacific and how the Air Force is preparing for them. For more on this, Air Force Times editor Rachel Cohen sits down with us. So, Rachel, basing locations are becoming you know, more vital in the Indo Pacific as the US tries to prepare for, you know, what they view as a possible war from China or even just the pacing threat that China presents. So what did Zulzdorf say about preparations to expand bases in the Indo Pacific, which is it's a very vast region?
2: Yeah, they're looking at ways to, you know, basically make the Pacific uh into a bunch of you know little kind of jumping off points for the air force. Obviously, the Pacific is very maritime in terms of military assets that can move around the, the easiest. And so they're looking at you know how do we reclaim airfields that that the U.S. used during World War II? Places like Tinian and other uh, airfields that are sort of north of Guam. And so they're going in and they're they're cutting back. You know, the jungle that's sort of overgrown some of these places, um, checking the concrete, making sure that that can still hold the weight of, of aircraft, you know, checking to see what kind of, you know, like defensive uh, systems that they could bring in, things like lights, you know, all, all of that sort of thing to make it just a, a really, you know, small, small footprint sort of lily pad for them to hop around on. Um, they're also talking to other countries about you know, coming in and using bases that those countries already have up and running. So not building anything new, but just having the ability to, you know, fly in, use those resources, take up some of that space without necessarily spending, you know, all of the money that it would take to build something new.
0: And folks are seeing, you know, drones being utilized in Ukraine and the Red Sea, you know, these one way attack drones are becoming much more of a problem in these two conflicts. So, what did he say about the possibility of drone warfare filtering into this new theater if a conflict were to arise, and what kind of challenges does it present for those trying to strategize in the Indo-Pacific?
2: Yeah, I mean, drones drones are becoming more and more of a problem worldwide. I mean, we've seen them in the Middle East for a long time. Um, we're seeing them, you know, as you mentioned, play out uh, in Ukraine and and across Europe, and so. It's not going to be much different in the Pacific, you know. Even though the Pacific is is very large, um, and you know those small drones don't have the flight time that larger aircraft do, um, they can still pose uh, similar similar problems. I mean, if if they're launched by you know somebody from a little boat off the coast of an island somewhere, if they're launched you know from a nearby island that you know that the U.S. is operating off of, if somebody wants to poke around what the military's doing, you know, those things can get sucked into the the intakes of jets. They can, you know, you know, they can carry weapons, they can spy on things. It's a similar problem that the military is preparing for worldwide.
0: Two US fighter jets flew over Bosnia yesterday. It comes as the Bosnian government faces increasingly secessionist policies of pro-Russia leader Milorad Dadek. The U.S. Embassy in Sarajevo said the F-16s flew as part of a joint air-to-ground training involving American and Bosnian forces. A statement from the embassy said these trainings demonstrate the U.S. commitment to ensuring Bosnia-Herzegovina's territorial integrity. It also said the country's constitution provides no right of secession. The U.S. brokered a peace accord that ended an ethnic conflict in the 1990s. The conflict had erupted because Bosnia's Serbs wanted to create their own state and join neighboring Serbia. More than 100,000 people were killed before the war ended. Here's why it matters. Western countries fear that Russia could try to stir trouble in the Balkans to avert attention from the full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Bosnia is seeking entry into the European Union, but the effort has been stalled because of slow reform and inner divisions. Milorad Dodic is the president of the Serb entity called Republika Srpska. He is backed by Russia and has repeatedly threatened to split the Serb run half from the rest of Bosnia. Dadek's government on Monday started marking a controversial national holiday that Bosnia's top court has declared unlawful. On January 9, 1992, Bosnian Serbs proclaimed the creation of an independent state in Bosnia, which led to the bloodshed. Dadek has dismissed the U.S. jet's flyover. The U.S. Embassy said that the mission was to be supported by a KC-135 Stratotanker, providing aerial refueling for the F-16s. The aircraft returned to base immediately after the mission was complete. And now here's some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. Congressional leaders reached an agreement on overall spending levels for the current fiscal year. The deal could help avoid a partial government shutdown later this month. China announced sanctions on five American defense-related companies. The sanctions were in response to U.S. arms sales to Taiwan and U.S. sanctions on Chinese companies and individuals. Mark your calendars for Thursday, March 7th. That's when President Joe Biden will give his annual State of the Union. And in case you missed it, North Korea again fired artillery shells near its tense sea boundary with South Korea on Sunday. Seoul claimed the North also fired rounds on Saturday, but North Korea has denied that. And on this day in history, in 1861, a Union merchant ship, the Star of the West, was fired upon as it tried to deliver supplies to Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor, South Carolina. It was the first time shots were exchanged between North and South, although it did not trigger the Civil War in the same way the Battle of Fort Sumter later that year did. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com slash EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like rating and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at Military Times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zimone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by Leo Shane III, Rachel Cohen, and the Associated Press. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.